Yes, as Jeff said, my name's Alec, and I've got the the joy of bringing God's Word to us this morning. We're reading from Psalm 102, verse 25, and it will be on the screen behind me, and it can be found also in page 598 of the Bibles. So Psalm 102, verses 25 to 28. In the beginning you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like clothing, you will change them, and they will be discarded. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. The children of your servants will live in your presence. Their descendants will be established before you. Well, um, good morning, everyone. May I add my welcome? It's really great to see you all today. Uh, today, as Jeff has helpfully said, we are beginning a, just a two-week series before our combined Sunday, looking at God's character and nature. Next week, we're going to explore the Trinity, uh, and this week, we're looking at who God is. And these two talks will be a little bit different from most of them that you find that we give here at Trinity Church. Um, firstly, is we're going to survey lots of the Bible rather than just sit in a passage. We normally sit in a passage for a week, uh, but now we're going to just dance all over the Bible uh, for two weeks. Uh, and we're going to look at some of the theological beliefs that Christians have. And as we begin, there are three things you need to know. And this is all about having the right posture to be sensitive when we talk about God. The first thing we need to realize is that God is not an object to be analyzed, like Saturn or weather systems, or last month's sales report, we don't think of God in that way. We want to know more about God to enjoy and glorify God. All of our knowledge of God is towards that particular end. Secondly, knowing God is immensely practical for your life. The word theology just means God study. But don't imagine it to be boring, dry stuff by any means. Theology is like the morning sun that rises, enabling you to see everything in your life and creation with clarity. Way back in 1965, C.S. Lewis said quite famously, I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Therefore, What we think of God is beautiful, should be beautiful. It should be joyful, it should be attractive, and it should be immensely practical to your everyday life. Knowing God is more about discovering more of who He is, about this living, loving, life-giving God who's revealed Himself in creation by His Word, which we've had read, and through Jesus. Remember in uh, Willy Wonka, how Charlie finds one of, how many golden tickets is it? Five, that's right, five golden tickets. He finds one and he can enter the most amazing world he's ever dreamed of in that chocolate factory. 
And did you know that God has given seven billion or so golden tickets to each human so that you and me can live and move in God's amazing world so that we can think and know and relate to the God who is behind it all. You see, God is not playing a game of a giant game of guess who or find the golden ticket. A living, light-giving God wants us, wants you to know Him. And theology is how we know that God when we think of Him. Which means you can genuinely know God. But, and this is the third thing to keep in mind, because God is God, He's other than, He's not like us, we must humbly think of God and realize that you'll never cross the finish line of complete knowledge of Him. We read this in Isaiah, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. However, God reveals enough of Himself so that we can know Him. And how does God do that? Well, He does it through His Word, the Bible. And the Bible begins by telling us what God does. You notice in Genesis 1.1, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now Moses is the author of Genesis, and when he wrote this, the people of God had already seen God do amazing things in rescuing them from Egypt through powerful acts. And what he's doing is now reminding them, this same God who rescued them is the one who created the heavens and the earth. God as creator helps us know the who and the why behind the what. As you drive down North Terrace, you see all the big buildings and you might say, wow, who made the big cheese grater looking building? And this is what Genesis 1 is answering, but on a cosmic scale. Who behind the what? And then in the book of Exodus, we get the name of God. Here's what Exodus 3.14 says. God said to Moses, I am who I am. Now typically you add something to that. I am Luke. This is a table. That sort of thing. But God just says, I am who I am. And what does that mean? Well, it means God is completely and perfectly independent of everything and everyone else. And he exists for one reason, because of who he is. But nothing else in creation can ever say they exist just because they are. I exist because of my parents. And they exist because of their parents, and so on and so forth, right? But not God, he just is. But this God is not just a distant creator. God also says he is Lord. Look at the next verse. We call God Lord. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. Therefore, this uncreated creating God is personable. The God of who? People. Abraham, Isaac. He has a name with character traits, with attributes. And ultimately, as you travel along in the Bible story, we see that Jesus himself is this perfect reality of God in a way that we can understand because he is God, but also like us. Everything God wants to say to us in a person. Therefore, God is making himself known in relational or relatable ways. However, because God is other... It's often easier and safer to talk about what God isn't to know what he is, right? We can say God doesn't learn. 
but we grow in knowledge. We could say God doesn't depend on anything for existence, but we depend on him. We could say God has existed for all eternity, but we have not. We came into existence. God is everywhere present, but we are present in only one place at one time. Now, why does it matter that we know that? Well, thinking about God like that stops us making God into a God of only one attribute. And it's the reason why God says not to have any images of him or idols of him, because the creation cannot represent the creator. It will always limit him in some way. In the first year of all my kids starting school, one of the activities they get them to do is a craft on Father's Day. And every year, when my three kids went to school in the first year, they would come home with something that looks like this. And it's supposed to be me. And yes, you can tell it's me. No one else is that handsome or anything like that. But, but you know, there's far more depth to me than just that picture. Far more depth than what a five-year-old can capture with paint and paper. And so too, we humbly recognize... Actually, it looks like someone else in this room as well. I'm just looking at him. Um, we, we humbly recognize that we are like five-year-olds when it comes to describing God with pen and paper. But at the same time, God is really pleased to reveal himself in ways we can understand. God is, God is pleased that we would know him. And, and just as I celebrate this painting my kids made, so God shares with us a few of his qualities so that you and me can actually know him. Now that doesn't mean we are God. It doesn't mean we can be God in the future. It just means we reflect God's character and nature because we're made in his image. We also say that God is the standard of all the definitions of these as well. For example, love is not God, but God is love. Wisdom is not God, but God is wise, you see. If you look at your handout, you'll see the references to some of these verses. But God is pleased to speak of himself in greater terms so that we can know him. For example, he calls himself a lion or a shield, a father, a shepherd. He finds aromas pleasing to his nose. God can hear, God can remember, he sees, he feels emotions like rejoicing or being grieved, loving. God is spoken of as having body parts, like having fingers. He even turns his back on his people to punish them. When we hear these things and how God's described, we must be careful not to imagine God is a combination of a lion, a shield, and a finger. God is spirit after all. But we cannot talk about the uncreated God without created things. I wonder, is there a part of God's character and nature that you find it easier to understand and grasp? Or a part of God's character you find especially comforting today? What, why do you think that is? Therefore, let's look closer at just three character traits of God this morning. Just three. Uh, first one is God is complete in himself. And in the brackets you see the theological word if you ever wanted to look it up. But God is complete in himself. What does that mean? God was never created. He never came into being. He does not need us or any part of creation to be himself. So in Acts 17, verse 5, And he, God, is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. You see, God is not a desperate lover trying to woo us back to himself because he is lonely or lacking company. As creator, God didn't make everything because he wanted something. 
that would mean God isn't complete in himself and he's dependent upon creation. But God is not limited by time and space. He never longs to be taller or shorter, to be older, to relive his childhood, to make better decisions in his 20s or marry someone different. Time and space serve God, not the other way around. God doesn't have limitations like we do. You can't do everything you want to fit in your day. Sometimes getting out of bed and ready for work is hard enough. But God never has trouble getting out of bed or completing his to-do list. God's plan for humanity, for you in Jesus, cannot be undone or stopped. I wonder, how would Monday morning look different if you reflected on God's otherness a little more? How would that deeply impact your week? Because God is not dependent upon anything or anyone. Nothing can hold him back from being there for you. He will never show up late. He will never get delayed. The wheels never fall off in God's economy. You may feel like the wheels fall off your plans, but never God's. And because God is strong and stable, the question we can ask when our best laid plans change and break and don't go as they want to, is to say, God who never changes, what are you up to? Help me see, help me learn more about you and all this mess. And because God is God, he will do that. And God will use the best means to accomplish his purposes too. I wonder, is this painting a picture of the God that you know and love this morning? Next, God never changes, and we just started to touch on that. Recently, as a family, we began to make photo books, um, starting when our oldest was born, and every year we print a book with different photos, and, and the kids love looking through these photo books, um, remarking at how much they've changed, how different they look. Sometimes they can't believe they used to do or wear or you know, eat the things they particularly did as babies. But did you know God doesn't have baby pictures? He is complete in himself and never changes. That's what being immutable means. God is unchanging in his being and perfections, purposes and promises. However, our God does feel emotions. He does act, feels differently and responds in different situations. And the greatest example is when a sinner confesses their sins and trusts in Jesus. God goes from being distant. His wrath is no longer against us and we're now part of his kingdom of love and light. But because God knows all things and God never changes, they're not changes in God or for God or in God. Rather, we change in relationship to him, not God changing in himself. Just think about what it would mean if God could change. If God could change, then any change would be for the better or the worse. If God could change for the better, then he wasn't the best, most perfect being when we trusted him. If God could change for the worse, then he could become a little bit evil. Or what's to stop him from becoming totally evil? If he could change with his purpose, maybe maybe we can't trust him for eternal life because maybe now God says, yeah, Jesus isn't enough. You must do all these things. Or I've just I've, I've changed the whole game. The landscape of my will is, is different. Maybe when the Bible was written, God promised to forgive sins, but now in the 21st century, we've become more enlightened and God has disappeared out of the picture. But you see, the Bible reminds us God isn't like anyone else. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a human being that he should change his mind. Now that is very comforting. God knows the whole you, perfectly, from beginning to end, and your whole life, 
God is not getting to know you like you do with your kids. God is not making memories like we did in our holiday. God is not building up a file on you like your doctor does. He knows it already, even your future, in every detail. And because God is complete and never changes, he safely knows all that information too. Which means God knows all things. Isaiah 46, I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. God fully knows himself, all things actual, all things possible, in one simple eternal act. Imagine you're filling a bucket. And what happens when the water gets to the top of your bucket filling exercise? Not a trick question, it overflows, right? Water comes out. When you have a big day at work or in life, you might say, I'm full to the brim, I'm, I'm pooped. I, I can't put any more information in my brain. I need to digest it, right? Well, God's different. Imagine a really big bucket now. A bucket that can hold all the water in the world. A bucket that holds all the water in the entire universe. And the bucket isn't, whatever it is, the, the bucket cannot get any fuller, right? It's the, the water is there. It can't get fuller, not because of any limitation in capacity to hold the water, because there is no more water to add. And that's what it's like with God's knowledge. There is no kind of knowledge or piece of data that God does not already possess. God knows all things as they currently stand, as they will be. God knows the tiny details of your life. God knows how you are formed. God knew you would be here today. God knows you're listening online right now, however long since this has been given as a talk. And God knows all things that could happen but don't. God has made an incredibly complex universe. Millions of things never happened that could happen. Yet God knows all the details of what could have been. And God doesn't need to count the grains of sand when it says he knows them all, or the stars in the sky, or the hair on our head. He doesn't have to pause and go, let me get back to you in a few years when I figured it out. He knows it instantly. Every bit of knowledge is perfectly fully present with God. God knows the preference and desires of your hearts. God knows the griefs and the sorrows that you carry. And again, this is hugely comforting. When people find information out about you in the wrong way, in the wrong setting, the wrong person, the wrong time, you feel exposed. And while you and me are more exposed before God than anyone else, God's invitation to trust his all-knowingness is not a scary thing because he's a God of love. Especially when our sins have been forgiven, our evil thoughts and actions forgiven by Jesus and his Son, it is immensely comforting to be known that intimately by our God. And each new day, as the sun rises, he meets us with grace and mercy and love. This is a God who does not change, who is perfect in his perfections and being, and who knows everything there is to possibly know about everything. Therefore, this is our God. And I wonder, where do you stand with this God today? I have three things that wrap up this, what it means that God is all of this. And the first one is hope. 
Is this knowledge of, that God has of you, his intimacy, his awesomeness, does that bring you joy and awe? Maybe a wise and good next step for some of you will be to bring your life under this all-knowing, joyful, glorious, merciful God. Amanda mentioned it in Isaiah 55 in our kids' talk. Seek the Lord. Have you ever confessed your sin to this God? Ask Jesus to forgive you, to become the Lord over your life, your past, your present, and your future. Do you have the hope of the knowledge of God, that God knows you, that he is your God? Have you forgotten this is the God that you've trusted? I wonder, what would it look like for you to pause today and ask for this God to become your Lord? He's not just the creator, he is Lord. He's the God who wants to know you, and you can know him through his son, Jesus. Do you have that hope? Secondly, knowing God gives us perspective. The most basic truth in theology is that there is a God and it's not you. Do you realize that? I mean, you do now, because I told you, but maybe Tuesday morning you will function as if you're the little God of your life, working and planning, getting busy, arranging everything to be in your world perfectly. And there's nothing wrong with order and, and planning, of course. But when we think of God, it gives us the perspective that we're not him. Uh, Isaiah 40, 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding no one can fathom. Because God is God, he will not be restricted by a late night, by a busy day, by the frustrations of your work not going to plan. God is not lacking information to make the best decisions. And that's something that we need to be reminded of sometimes. Which means the hope and perspective of knowing this God means, and this might sound strange, but it means you can sleep. When you know God, you can be assured God will never take his eye off the ball in your life and his world. He will never drift off to sleep. In Psalm 121, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. After a busy day, you can rest and sleep because God won't. Sleep is a daily reminder that you are not God. And as you know this God more, you will not only find rest, but you'll find in the busy, burnt-out, stressful world we live in, there is more than here and now, but a God who goes on for all eternity, offering us rest in his Son, now and for eternity. I wonder, when you think of God's character and nature, does sleep come to your mind? In that he never sleeps, but you can rest in him. You know, the, one of the most famous um, statements of the Christian faith is the Westminster Larger Catechism. The very first thing it says, and some of you may know it, is this. What is the chief and highest end of humanity? What's the, what's the highest goal of human's existence? What is it? To, in, to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And did you notice... It has the word enjoy and glorify as your highest goal. Is this the God that you know through Jesus? 
because he can be. Let's be a church who glorifies God and enjoys him all our days and champions that week by week. This is who our God is. Let me pray for us. Wonderful God. In the last few moments, we have attempted to plumb, plunge some of the depths of your character, but we fall short so much. We are like five-year-olds painting a picture with paint and paper, but God, you are pleased. You're pleased with us because you've chosen to reveal yourself through us and forgive us through Jesus Christ, your Son, who is the Lord God himself. For those of us here who are thinking of God and contemplating that there is a God who is the Creator, may you help us and them to know that he is not just distant but far off and is the Lord of their life. Therefore, Father, forgive us our sin for living a life without you, for the wrong and evil we have done. May our past, present, future be covered by the blood of Jesus. May we be transferred into your kingdom by faith through confessing you as Lord, not us. Father, for those of us who know that but are weary, may the knowledge of you give us sleep and rest. Rest now but onward into eternity. And may your knowledge of all things be a comfort to us as we face the trials of every day of living in this world to know that our life is safely in your hands and that you never take your eye off the ball. In your name we pray. Amen.